This is Sports Radio 100.9, The Mix. You've waited patiently all day. All wait. They were patient. They didn't get rushed. But Great Lakes Bay region, we finally arrived at the payoff from high school. 10-5, touchdown Chargers. To college. Connor Stallions. Like, bro, get a life. To the pros. Jaden Ivey, who seems to be a bum. We cover everything a Michigan sports fan could want. This is uncharted territory. And now, here they are. It's the payoff. We welcome you into the payoff. Let's have some fun on a Friday afternoon. I just spilled Sprite all over myself, but we're still going to have a good show. Beautiful day outside. Just gorgeous. Weird, weird fall weather. But I mess with it. Look, here's the thing. I think I've read just about every single Connor Stallions Michigan football article that exists on the internet. And last night, I think we crowned a winner for the craziest report to date. Yahoo.com coming through once again. And it doesn't even really incriminate Michigan for doing anything. It doesn't, we don't, we don't learn anything in this article. But what we do find out is it's Michigan against the world right now. And it's been that way for at least the last six months. And I've got to say, as much as you can say, well, the NCAA is out to get Jim Harbaugh. Everybody's out to get Michigan. At this point, it kind of feels like they had it coming. It really does. So if you're one of those people that's been texting in 989-837-6125, that's the Frick Sports Bar text line, if you want to keep sticking up for Jim Harbaugh, send in your last text now because I think I'm about to shut down any sort of thought that Michigan could be innocent with this one. Last night. Article comes out about a reporter that reached out to TCU to find out if they knew anything or could provide any information about the whole sign-stealing investigation. I think we found out this is the most elaborate signal-stealing scandal probably in the history of sports. Listen, here's the thing. TCU got called by pretty much every single team in the Big Ten separately ahead of the playoff game against Michigan. And each of those teams, including OSU, warned TCU about Michigan stealing their signs. They said, they have the most elaborate sign stealing in the history of the world. Quote, they told TCU, regardless of what you do, They will, in fact, know what play you are about to run. And here's the thing. Like we've talked about for two weeks, sign stealing isn't illegal. So it's not like all these Big Ten schools could go complain about it because everybody does it. Everybody's sign stealing. The problem is how good Michigan was at it, which is exactly why all these Big Ten schools called up TCU and said, hey, just so you know, they got something else going on. It's one thing to look across the sideline, but this Michigan team, man, they know exactly what you're going to do. Like they have it on paper, like they have a script. So everybody, let TCU know. 
Ohio State gave them an extra call. And then what did TCU do? They took that information, put it in their pocket, and said, all right, let's make some dummy signs. You know what we're going to do? We are going to hold up these signs to quote-unquote audible, but we're going to tell our players to just stick with the original call. Let's throw Michigan off. And did it work? Hmm. You tell me. Michigan had allowed an opponent over 24 points all season long. One of the best defenses in the nation in 2022. And TCU hung 57 or 51. Michigan was a seven-point favorite going into this game, by the way. TCU, eight for 16 on third down. Michigan. Three for 13 on third down. It, this, is, this is ridiculous. All season long, opponents' three, uh, third down percentage for the Wolverines was 33%. They came up clutch time and time and time again. And then suddenly, once they don't know how to read the other team's signs or steal the other team's plays, TCU goes 50% on third downs. Interesting. Michigan had one of the best run defenses in all of college football in 2022. They only allowed 277 yards per game, straight up, third best in NCAA. And then TCU goes for 500. TCU went for 6.4 yards per play when they ran the ball. 6.4 yards per rush. All season long, Michigan had only allowed 3.3. They doubled it. As soon as Michigan didn't know what play was coming next, they got stomped. Everyone going into that game, sure enough, believed Michigan was going to get the job done. Little did we know. TCU knew about the sign stealing long ago and were warned by everyone in the Big Ten. Now here's the thing. It blows my mind that Michigan didn't at some point, think they were going to get caught with this. Especially when everyone in the Big Ten's talking. These reports are coming out. These coaches are putting little tidbits out to the media. Oh, they're up to something. And Michigan didn't think they'd get caught at some point down the road. I mean, you can only do this for so long before somebody speaks out. Now, maybe they thought their elaborate scheme of sending their interns out to places across the country to record teams on sidelines with their phones. Maybe thought they thought it was secretive enough to where it was never going to get caught. But then all these big 10 teams start talking to each other and dots get connected because when TCU sitting there waiting for a playoff game to start and 13 different big 10 schools call up the program and say, just so you know, these guys are cheaters. That's when you know something fishy is going on. Like I said, it's Michigan versus the world. It's Jim Harbaugh versus the world right now. You want to know why? Because they pissed the world off. Do you blame Ohio State for calling TCU? Do you blame Michigan State and all these other schools for giving TCU a little heads up? Because it was well known in the Big Ten. It wasn't a secret amongst all these teams in the conference. They all were well aware. Michigan had this crazy sign-stealing scheme. They just didn't know how. They couldn't prove it. 
They didn't know how Michigan had all these different hands, uh, had had a read on all these different hand signals by any means. But they did know they were up to something no good. And this TCU report says they watched the game back on television. Sure enough, they got him a few times. Connor Stallions on the sideline, pointing to his little play sheet, trying to get the play call. And on their little dummy signals with their dummy signs, the fake audibles, they got him good. Michigan didn't know what was coming. They guessed the wrong thing was coming. And TCU burned him. 51 points. In the blink of an eye, TCU was up 21 to 3. So now I ask you the question. Now that we have won, and keep in mind, throughout the last three years, Michigan has been one of the best teams in the country. There's no doubt about that. You can't take that away from them. You simply can't. They've won 33 of the last 36 games. Their only losses in the last three years have been to Michigan State, Georgia, and TCU. And it's not like Michigan's a bad football team. Like I said, you can't take all this away from the players. 14 of them got drafted in the past two seasons. 10 or so are about to get drafted this year. So I ask you, with the one example we have of a team that 100% knew Michigan was stealing signs and 100% knew they could trick Jim Harbaugh into calling into the wrong audible with the adjusted signs, and TCU hangs 51 on Michigan. Do you still have confidence that Michigan can be the best team in the Big Ten going forward? Because obviously, as the season plays out, Michigan's on the bye on Saturday, but they'll be back. Got four more games to go and maybe even a playoff. We'll see. But are you even confident that they can still play at the level they have for the past three seasons now that they can't steal signs? Because it's clear they are under a microscope right now. They're not getting away with anything. Connor Stallions is suspended. And no one can just step in and do the whole sign-stealing gig because people are going to be watching. Eyes around the Michigan Wolverines. So do you still think they're the best team in the Big Ten? Do you still think they're going to go out there, beat Penn State, beat Ohio State? Because right now the only evidence we have of Michigan not stealing signs in a game is this TCU one, and guess what? They didn't look like the same team. 51 points TCU hung on them. 24 was the most amount of points they allowed before that. So I ask you, Frick Sports Bar text line, I want to hear. 989-837-6125. Again, 989-837-6125. Are you still confident in the Michigan Wolverines going forward. We'll hit the text line next. You're listening to the payoff fueled by forward energy. Back to the payoff on the great lakes, Bay regions home for sports. Yeah, Everybody looks good at home sports radio. 100.9. The mitt. So my question for everyone is, do you still have confidence that Michigan is going to be a successful program going forward? Whether you want to answer that this year or future years when Jim Harbaugh will almost most definitely not be the head coach next year, that's up to you. I'll hit the text line right now. Boomer here. Here's the problem I have with the Michigan situation. Stealing signs, I think, is cheating. It's actually false, but I'll keep reading. And as an MSU fan, I want U of M to get punished. But they are a good team. McCarthy and Corum are Sunday bread players. At some point, their talent needs to be taken into account. In no way should Harbosh be excused, 
But talent-wise, they're still easily a top-four team in the country. The balance needs to be putting sanctions on those responsible and not the student-athletes who are balling out every week. Boomer, I agree with you 110%, because that's the unfortunate part about this situation. The players are not really at fault here. Now, you look at what happened in this TCU game. All season long, the players only allowed 85 rushing yards per game. Third best mark in the country. And then as soon as they didn't know the plays, as soon as the coaches didn't know what was coming, and as soon as Connor Stallions looked like a clown because TCU tricked them, TCU ran for 163 yards down Michigan's throat. Is it the player's fault? No, not necessarily. Could they have played better? I don't I don't know at this point because if you're being told, hey, they're going to run it to the right and then they don't run it to the right, is that really the player's fault? Because all season long, I'm sure the players had this thought in their, in their minds. These are the best coaches in the world. They know what play's coming literally every single time. How they know that, I don't know. But they might... No wonder this, all these players talk about the coaching staff and the program like they are going to church. You ever notice that? The last couple of years, and this year specifically, all these players talk about Jim Harbaugh like he brings people back from the dead. Like he can turn water into wine. That's how they talk about Harbaugh. They always put the team first because they trust their coaches. And for a while, I thought, hey, respect to the coaching staff for getting these players to play getting these players to buy in. But do you really blame the players for thinking that? They don't know what's legal, what's not legal when it comes to the sign stealing. Their coaches tell them, hey, they're going to run it to the right. And then 99% of the time, the other team runs to the right, and they stand up and they're like, congratulations to us. So I do feel bad for the players involved in this because they're not doing anything wrong. And to what extent... The players know about the elaborate system that Connor Stallions has put in place, sending student interns across the country to go to different games. No one knows. Will we find out? Maybe. But it brings up just an incredible problematic point because as much as you should punish the Michigan Wolverines, as much as this program should have some sort of sanctions, you don't want to take stuff away from the players. It's different than, you know, you look back at the Fab Five. We talked about that earlier this week. That was something the players consciously knew they were doing wrong. This is not that. This is the coaching staff knowing they are doing something wrong, not the players. So it's hard to put blame onto the players. Hell, it's hard to put blame onto the student interns that were being sent by Connor Stallions to these different stadiums. It's tough because if you're a student intern and a full-time staff at the University of Michigan at their football program looks at you and says, here's what you're doing this weekend. I'm flying you out to Tennessee and you just have to film their game from the 50 yard line. Have fun. You don't tell a Michigan full-time staffer no, because then you're kicked out of the program and kiss your coaching career. Goodbye. Cause that's what all those guys are chasing. So it's tough. They put all this pressure on their players to perform, and now all the players are up against the wall. But it's not their fault. that's, That's the biggest problem with this. So where I'm at with this is Michigan is on the bye this week. 
college football is going to continue. And I would assume we get pretty quiet over the weekend. You're going to get distracted by other schools playing. Michigan's off. Nothing to talk about. News reports usually don't come out in the weekends. Monday? Oh, I bet you we're getting something else. Because every single day, there's at least two or three new articles that come out, new reports that suggest something else, or we learn a different development. Yesterday, we found out the NCAA was at in Ann Arbor searching through computers and electronics. After the show, we find out, yeah, TCU knew about all this sign-stealing stuff. Now, no one likes to release these reports on Friday because then they get buried. No one's reading all of them. But on Monday, I can just about assure you we're going to find something massive out. Bookmark it. And we'll be here to talk about it on the payoff. Until then, I want you to use the Frick Sports Bar text line to tell me what you think about this Michigan football situation. 989-837-6125. One more time. That's 989-837-6125. Let's move along. Let's have some fun on a Friday, don't we? I've been thinking to myself, uh, we've talked about Jared Goff a lot on this show. I was deeming the Lions need to give him a contract extension. A lot of people were throwing him into MVP conversations. PFF had him as the top quarterback for a long time. And then he looked like a scared little baby last Sunday against the Ravens. So I started scratching my head and thinking to myself, is Jared Goff really one of the 10 quarterbacks in the league? 10 best quarterbacks in the league when it comes down to it. So I put together a little list for you. I can do a top 10 list, so why not? Best quarterback in the league. Let's fly through this quick. Patrick Mahomes. I don't even think I need an explanation on this one. He changed football forever. No more pocket quarterbacks are coming into, college, uh, coming into the NFL through college football. You got to be able to move. You got to be able to throw on the run. It forces all these defenders to make different decisions. He only has seven sacks. Best in the league at avoiding him. Patrick Mahomes, number one. Wins eight out of every 10 games he plays. Shattering an all-time record if he can play enough games. Number two, uh, maybe some recency bias, but how about Lamar Jackson? PFF's number one, fan, uh, number one quarterback. And yeah, there's some games where Lamar Jackson beats himself. He just simply can't do it. But you know what I noticed on Sunday? That you just can't replicate watching TV. You kind of have to know your team and watch them play Lamar Jackson. He horrifies some of these defenders. They have no idea where he's going to go next. You can't really beat Lamar Jackson. You can't prepare for him because there's no scout QB you have on your roster or your practice squad that can actually replicate what he does. It's the reason he's 16-1 and versus these NFC teams. Career high in completion percentage. Only three picks this season. Another five rushing touchdowns. Career win percentage of 70. Of quarterbacks that have at least 200 games, which Lamar Jackson doesn't, only Manning and Brady have a higher percentage. Number three, Jalen Hurts. 25-5 and five in the last 30 games. Changing football in front of our eyes with this whole tush-push thing. And you can say it's the offensive line all you want. It's just as much Jalen Hurts. They don't, they don't start doing this unless they have Jalen Hurts in the building. He brings an entirely different element to, uh, that defenses have to account for, and it terrifies them. It does. That is not a team I want to see in the postseason. Number four is Josh Allen. He's basically Patrick Mahomes, but makes an incredible amount of mistakes. Forces the ball down the field. Throws a lot of interceptions. He's frat guy Mahomes. He leads the league in touchdowns. But he also leads the league in picks. 
Where I'll give him credit is when the game is on the line and he's got to get down the field, usually comes through. Josh Allen, number four. Trevor, this is where I might lose some people. Trevor Lawrence, fifth best quarterback in football. There's less statistics about this one. I don't have a lot of stats to provide for you. But he is the complete package. There's a reason he came into the NFL as one of the most highly regarded prospects we've had in a very long time. He's big. He's got a strong arm, accurate, can run with the football. Only three picks this season. Let's not forget that guy that came back from 27 and tw- down 27-0 in the playoffs. Five and two since then. Jacksonville taking on the Steelers. That should be a good one. Number six, a lot of people had him higher going into the year. Joe Burrow. Stats would indicate right now he is not in the top 10. He's not having a great year. But at the same time, if you had to compare anyone in the NFL, and I don't like doing this game, but if you had to compare anyone to Brady, it would be him. He sits in the pocket, he dissects you, and he marches up and down the field. You can't really do anything about it. Joe Burrow, number six. And also, he's the only guy that can really beat Mahomes. He's beat him three times. Nobody else has done that. Uh, Number seven, how about Tua? Yeah, he's got the best play caller in the league. Yeah, he's got the best weapon in the league. But he makes the most of that, and you can't take that away from him. He's accurate. He's fast. And because of that, he's got video game numbers right now. Almost 300 yards per game. It's best in the league. Nine yards per attempt. Just unreal stuff from Tua this season. Can he do it without Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell? Does that really matter right now? Can any quarterback succeed without their top guy? Most of them, no. But two is playing like one of the best. No doubt about it. Number eight, Kirk Cousins. It's time to acknowledge him. Third most yards in the NFL. Allen's ahead of him with an extra game, so has a chance to get to number two by the, next, by the end of the weekend. Second most touchdowns in the league. Again, only behind Allen, who played yesterday. Only five interceptions. This guy's three fourth-quarter comebacks away from passing Tom Brady on the all-time list. Isn't that incredible? It's finally time to tip your hat to Kirk Cousins because he's, he's been really good the last two seasons. Uh, I can't believe this guy's behind Kirk Cousins at this point. Justin Herbert, all the talent in the world, but when the game is on the line, uh, it's everyone else's fault. It's Brandon Staley's fault. It's the defense's fault. Just kind of doesn't have that it factor. Yet, at times... He reminds me of Aaron Rodgers because sometimes he makes throws where I'm like, I've never seen anyone do that besides Aaron Rodgers. Just puts a laser right on the bullseye, can do everything. He's 6'6", can use his legs, but just so far in his career doesn't have that if factor. Game's on the line. I don't feel confident Justin Herbert's getting down the field. And this is where the whole conversation comes into play. So if you think Jared Goff is a top 10 quarterback or if you disagree, I want to hear One spot left in the top 10. And it truly, I'm not even doing this for a a bit or a gag. It truly came down for me, this number 10 spot, Goff or Stafford. So I want to ask you once again, who would you have in this top 10 spot? If there's one spot remaining, who's the better quarterback right now? Jared Goff or Matthew Stafford? 989-837-837. 6125. They both dissect defenses from the pocket. Stafford might have a little bit more power, a little bit more finesse and flash. Goff's a little safer, though. He's okay with checking it down. Not going to force it down the field like Stafford does. I think I'm going to go with Goff. 
he gets more of his receivers involved. Stafford usually likes to pick one guy and just throw the ball to him a ton. That's why the two top receiving seasons in NFL history in terms of yards, Matthew Stafford was the quarterback for both of them, Cooper Cup and, of course, Calvin Johnson. Stafford's more fun, but I, I think I'd rather have Jared Goff. Honorable mentions, C.J. Stroud, Dak Prescott, and, of course, Matthew Stafford. All right, guys, Detroit Lions. They don't play this weekend, but the trade deadline is looming. What do they need to do in order to be winners, regardless of Monday's results? That's next on the payoff fueled by Forward Energy. More of the Great Lakes Bay region's only local sports show. Back to the payoff. All right, the Lions, they don't play on Sunday, which means we're not going to get too much into a preview today. But what I will say is their backs are going to be against the wall. We're going to have a whole preview show on Monday going into the Raiders game. Get you right here on 100.9 The Mitts. You can listen to it right on our airwaves. And we'll tell you all our bets, our predictions on Monday. But what I will say is the Lions kind of got the short stick in terms of when their Monday night game was. Because the trade deadline is Tuesday. So Lions have about 24 less hours than most other teams to really finalize a couple of these trades. The other teams play Sunday and they've got all day Monday to make calls, do what they want to do. The Lions, well, they don't get done with their Monday night game until, what, 11? Midnight? And then they've got less than 24 hours to really figure it out. And here's the thing. The Lions right now, I believe, I think most people do, think they're on the Super Bowl window at least, or in the Super Bowl bubble. They're not the favorites by any means. Let's look ourselves in the mirror and finally recognize that. I don't think anybody's beating Philly in Philly. And the 49ers are a different animal, despite the two straight losses. But what I can tell you is, if you don't feel like you're the best team by far in the NFC, then don't you need to go ahead and make some trades? You can't just sit idle. You have to get better. And there's very much evidence to back that up. Let's look at the past three NFL champions, Super Bowl Lombardi Trophy winners. 2023, Kansas City. What do they do at the trade deadline? Come on over, Kadarius Tony. We'll make magic out of nothing. And all it took was a third and a six. Kadarius Tony, who for years and years did nothing on the New York Giants, you're welcome, John, came over to Kansas City, semi-quiet, but caught a touchdown in the Super Bowl. This guy mattered. 2022, the Rams are all in. Von Miller, come on over. All it took was a second and a third. Then they later signed Odell. They were all in. They are ready to go. They're the ones that kind of created the F them picks. And I'm not saying the Lions should do that. By no means should the Lions just be sending away picks out the kazoo and selling their future away. No, that's not what I'm saying. But like I just said, Kadarius Tony got traded for a third and a six, caught a touchdown in a Super Bowl. Let's look back a year earlier, 2021, when the Bucks and Tom Brady won their Super Bowl. Vita Vea was out for the year. So what they do? They called up the Jets and traded a six-round pick for Steve McClendon. 
Now, I know what you're thinking. Who the hell is Steve McClendon? It doesn't matter. What they realized was we have a hole at the defensive tackle position because Vita Vey is out, so we need to get more bodies in the room. And it mattered. It makes a difference. So I ask you, are you, are you comfortable not making any trades? Because I'm certainly not. I'm not comfortable going to Philly. I'm not confident they're going to beat San Francisco. Seattle just signed Frank Clark. They got better. Philly just traded for Kevin Byard for essentially nothing. They just got better. San Francisco got CMC at the trade deadline last year. And I bet you if someone's available, they're making calls. The bottom line is if you're the Lions, you got to start making phone calls right now. Don't let this go by while other teams progressively get better at the deadline, which means by default, you get worse in terms of the rankings in the NFC. Don't let that gap grow between you and the 49ers. Don't let that gap grow between the Lions and the Eagles. Make some calls. Improve your team. And like I said, it doesn't have to be some blockbuster deal. All those trades I just read you from the last three Super Bowl winners, what's the closest thing we had to a blockbuster deal? Von Miller, and it only cost a second and a third round pick. There's plenty of guys out there that can go for less. I brought up Marcus Peters a couple days ago, who plays for the Raiders. May as well just keep him in Detroit after the game. I doubt that cost more than a fifth. He's 30. He's on an expiring. We already went through that if you want to listen to that. You can listen to it on uh, Rewind on podcasts, Apple Music, or Apple Podcasts, Spotify. It's all there, the payoff. But what about some other guys that are available? How about Kendall Fuller on the Commanders? A cornerback. He's put together a great eight-year career. He's 28 years old. I know everyone will love this. He had two pick sixes in 2022, and he's an expiring contract. Probably wouldn't cost more than a third because the Washington commanders certainly aren't going to pay him. They should try to get rid of everybody. They're sellers at the deadline. The Lions can't be sellers. Colts, Kenny Moore, another corner, 28 years old, one of the best slot guys in the league, another expiring contract. Buda Baker. Hell, if you want to go crazy, let's, let's call the Cardinals. They should be looking to sell everybody. Marquise Brown's available too. No, I'm not saying he's available like I'm reporting on that, but the Cardinals might be looking to sell anybody if you give them the right offer. Marquise Brown's had four touchdowns this year, and he's had Josh Dobbs throwing him the ball. He's an expiring contract. And if you really want to be all in, on this year, on this window to win a Super Bowl, you got to trade for someone who's going to make your team better today. Today. And I'm not saying go get Max Crosby. Go get Devontae Adams. That's not what I'm saying. Just go get some guys who will contribute. Go get some guys who will be upgrades. That's all I ask for. That's really all it takes. But if you want to go after... The big fish. We all know who it is. It's Brian Burns. Carolina Panthers, 25 years old. Here's what you have to realize. Yes, he's an expiring contract, but he's looking for a massive payday. 12 and a half sacks last year. And I think the biggest part, he's a defensive captain. Carolina's not just looking to shop this guy if they're not getting a big haul in return. This is the one that might cost the first-round pick. 
And to bring in someone like Brian Burns, where the Lions have struggled to get to the quarterback outside of Aiden Hutchinson, who's struggled in his own, I believe PFF has the Lions ranked at 21st in terms of pass rush. And I don't even want to look at the grades for everyone else outside of Aiden Hutchinson. You bring in Brian Burns, and all of a sudden you're looking at one of the best duo edge rushers in the league. But here's the consequences. You have to realize the consequences. A, you're giving this guy a humongous contract because you can't trade for someone like that, throw a first-round pick to someone else, and then not re-sign him. That would be a waste of a pick, especially if you don't have any success in the postseason. So A, you'd have to pay him, which also means someone else isn't getting paid. Amonra's due for a contract extension. Panay's due for a contract extension. The year after that, it's going to be Aiden Hutchinson, maybe Kirby Joseph if he pulls his head out of his butt and starts playing football a little bit better. The point is there are consequences for this, and not to mention you don't get your draft pick, which means you're not upgrading corner in the first round. Because I think we can all agree if the Lions are going to trade for someone, it's either A, a corner, B, an edge player, or maybe if they want to get creative, another receiver. Maybe. Depends how much confidence they have in Jamison Williams, which right now, let's be honest, doesn't seem like a whole lot. So if the Lions want to continue to call themselves Super Bowl contenders, you got to show us. You got to show us you're all in and you're serious about this. So Brad Holmes, I know you've got a game to worry about. Actually, that's Dan Campbell's game to worry about. Brad Holmes, be on the phone this weekend. Let's hear some buzz. I want to hear some buzz coming out of Ford Field. I want to hear some buzz coming out of Detroit. And then on Monday, you'll have a quick turnaround, and you've got to get a deal done before the deadline. Deadline is Halloween, just so we're all aware. All right, 10 minutes away from sending it out to John Vacari, who's ready for the first-round matchup between Dow and Midland, a repeat of last week's final regular season games. Now let's up the ante a little bit here in the playoffs. That's just a little bit away. For now on, let's take a quick break, come back, and I'll tell you the best five games on in sports this weekend. You're listening to The Payoff, fueled by Forward Energy. The Payoff continues. More from the Great Lakes Bay region's home for sports. Sports Radio 100.9, The Mitt. We're just a few moments away from sending it over to John Vacari, ready to give you the best high school matchup in the state of Michigan of the week. Dow versus Midland last week. Dow with a win, 29 to 9. They're running back today, this time, season on the line in round one of the playoffs. But first, I need to give you a sort of agenda for the weekend. What I have for you is five games, the five best games, maybe not the best, but the five most important games that are must see TV for you viewers in Midland, Great Bakes. Great Lakes Bay region, wherever you may be listening. Here's the best five games for you. Starting tonight in just 15 minutes, if you're not listening to John over at Midland versus Dow, turn on the Pistons. Pistons at Charlotte tonight. Cade versus Lamella Ball. Pistons are plus four and a half on the road. Time for Cade Cunningham to show Lamella Ball what's up. Time for Cade Cunningham to show he really is one of the best 22-year-old players in all of the NBA. Secondly, tomorrow, Saturday, 7 o'clock again, Red Wings 
taking on the Boston Bruins. The Red Wings are plus 168 on the money line. These are the top two teams in the Eastern Conference right now. The Bruins are one of just two teams in the NHL without a regulation loss. The Vegas Knights being the other one of those teams. Again on Saturday, the Pistons in back-to-back action. They're also on simultaneously as the Wings. Uh, Pistons taking on the Bulls at 7 o'clock. You guys hear about the Bulls player meeting? Players only meeting. One game into the NBA season. Yeah, that's going to work out. Yeah, yeah, the Bulls aren't going to blow up their entire team by the uh, their trade deadline. That should be fun. 7 o'clock on Saturday. Saturday, 3.30, a little bit earlier in the day. Those, were your, those first three were your, uh, your local teams. Now, let's, let's move a little nationally. Number eight, Oregon. Six and a half point favorites on the road against number 13, Utah. You can catch this one on Fox. Here's the thing. Outside of COVID, where Utah lost one game at home, Utah hasn't lost a home game since 2018. That's five years. You can consider the COVID one if you want, but there's no fans. So what does that really matter for home field advantage? It's been five years since they've lost at home, and they're six-and-a-half-point underdogs against Oregon this Saturday at 3.30. Give me Utah, not only to cover, but to just straight-up win. They don't lose at home. Let's give you an NFL one. Sunday, you're bored. You're not watching the Lions. Sad day. Bengals at Niners. Brock Purdy questionable due to concussion reasons. Joe Burrow, we think he's back to 100% healthy. We think. We don't, we don't really know. Nobody ever knows about uh, Joe Burrow's health with this calf because he keeps it so secret. They're four and a half point uh, underdogs heading to San Francisco. Obviously, for the sake of the Detroit Lions, we should all be rooting for the Bengals. Those are your five best games of the weekend. I apologize. I, I, you know, the last couple of weeks I've been doing this segment trying to give you guys the best games to watch. I was doing it in too long. I was giving myself too much time. Shrunk it down. We do it in just a couple minutes. I feel like that's much better radio, you know? All right. Great show. John is getting ready for a great high school matchup. 60th all-time matchup between the Midland, what is it, Midland Chemics and the Dow Chargers. That's what it is. Six meeting between them in the playoffs. This is going to be fun. This is going to be very fun. John was geeked about it. If you haven't checked out the Instagram story, I think it's on Instagram. I know it's on Facebook. Go check it out. John put out a great little preview. He can provide you with a little bit more information than I can. And he put out a little poll. Who's going to win, Dow or Midland? Now, again, Dow won last week, but I don't care if it's the NFL. I don't care if it's college football. I don't care if it's high school or Pee Wee. It's hard to beat a team twice. It's hard to beat a team twice in two weeks. This should be fun. Midland's looking for some revenge. Neither of these teams want their season to end by any means necessary. So with that being said, let's send it out to John Vicari, who will take care of the rest. You're listening. That was a fun episode of the payoff fueled by forward energy. Thanks guys. Have a good weekend.